Let's go ahead this morning and uh, open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let's go ahead and have our uh, junior church class dismissed, and they can head downstairs. <clears throat> but in Deuteronomy chapter 8, this morning is going to be the focus of this message. And uh, if you will, the title of the message is, What is the Wilderness For? What's the purpose that the nation of Israel wandered around in the wilderness? What is the purpose that we go through wilderness times in our life? Times of desert, times of trial, times of uh, uh, difficulties, uh, um, uh, things where, where, where we're not necessarily settled. And we, we seem to have that, if you will, transient nature in our lives. And, and uh, there's uh, no, if you will, permanent dwelling, it seems like. Uh, we go through that as Christians. And there's a reason why we go through these things. And God points this out to the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And again, just to refresh our memory, what we see about this uh, book is Deuteronomy is after they have already been to the promised land once. The ten spies uh, dissuaded the people from going in. And if you will, created a stumbling block unto them. And if you will, a hindrance to their trust in God, that God could do what God said he was going to do, cause the people to stumble, cause the people to err and go into sin, pull them away from God and his uh, 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 His promises. And the end result is they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness till that generation that didn't trust God had died off, almost all of them. Obviously, Joshua was still around, and Caleb was still around, the two spies that said, "We, yeah, it's true, there's giants in the land. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but the Lord will do it. They had faith and trust in the Lord. Even so that, uh, you know, Caleb at, a, at an old age, when he is about 80 years old, what did he do? He went and took his possession because he, here he is 80 years old. He knew exactly what God was going to give him. And even in his old age, he was not going to doubt God. And he went and he took it because that was what God gave him. So, again, age is irrelevant to God. You know, again, we may feel our bodies growing frail and growing old every single day. We may hear new creaks and uh, uh, groans. Uh, there may be, as I've said before, random body parts just fall off when we wake up in the morning. But hey, Lord still can use us and the Lord still will use us if we've got that willingness to serve and that willingness to obey God. But what we find is in this passage, after they've just been through the wilderness, God says, I'm going to give you some revelation about why you were going through that. The young people had to go through it. Not just the people that had disobeyed, not just the people that had lack of faith, not those people that did not trust God, but also the younger generation, the ones that saw all of this happening. They got to see this. They got to experience that wilderness. And here's one of the reasons why. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, or just even Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And he says, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. I want you to see this. Number one, to humble thee. Number two, to prove thee. Number three, and to know what was in thine heart. Number four, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And we begin to find out the reason why God had Israel go through this. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time. Thank you again for your word that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that this morning it would richly dwell in us. And that Lord, with all the wisdom and uh, from your spirit, uh, that Lord, we'd receive these things. That Lord, we'd take them and we'd begin to use them in our lives. And Lord, realize that during times of wilderness, and during these times that we go through difficulties and we go through some trials, that Lord... We understand that you are always there with us. And that, Lord, there are moments that we can take and walk away from it, learning about you, growing in the knowledge of you, growing in the understanding of you. 
And Lord, using that wisdom to continue to please you and honor you in this life. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just be pleased this morning because our hearts are fixed upon you, prepared, ready to receive from you. And that, Lord, you would just use me and speak through me that all these things, Lord, would be pleasing in your sight. Thank you again for all you've done for us. Above all, that salvation that we've had through, we have through you, uh, through your son, what you've done for us on that cross and uh, the resurrection, Lord, that we can have that eternal life, have that relationship with you. Lord, I'm just so thankful for it. May we keep all this in mind as we endeavor to worship you this morning. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are taking a look at this passage of Scripture, and God clearly identifies uh, this is why you're going through it. Now, look, there are times that we go through things in this life, we have no idea why we're going through it. You know, we can take a look at the book of Job. Job didn't understand until later on. When he was going through it, he had no idea. But sometimes God does reveal it. He doesn't ever say that Job was revealed what happened, we obviously know that the writer of the book of Job, Elihu, did. Whether that was communicated to Job or not, I don't know. Uh, we can hypothesize and say that, yes, it was, or we can say, no, it wasn't. Or Job really didn't even care because he grew from it regardless. But I will tell you this, there are times that God will show us and he will tell us exactly why we are going through the problems that we're going through. Now, I, I want to make this clear. We go through the wilderness sometimes because of our own cause. Because we've sinned or we've done something that has erred from the, the, the principles of God. We send ourselves out into the wilderness that way. But I'll tell you this, there also sometimes needs to be a willingness to go out there on our own and do it. Yeah. You're like, well, why in the world would I want to go and dwell in the wilderness? Because there are times that you need to have some of these things that happen and occur to you. Jesus Christ willingly went out for 40 days into the wilderness. He was led of the Spirit to go out there and go into the wilderness. He didn't have to, but he did. He was obedient, obviously. But as, if you will, a picture of what we should be doing in our life, maybe there are times we need to actually say, hey, look, I need to get some things in check. Maybe I need to go into the wilderness a little bit. Maybe I need to go out there and see what God's doing. Maybe, maybe I've grown a little too comfortable here and maybe I need to say, shake some things up. Maybe, maybe I really need to get in there and have God do his work in my life. And I'll tell you this, the, the things that you see that God did for the nation of Israel during that time when they were in the wilderness is miraculous. The provisions he did, what he wound up doing for them, how he treated them, all of those things, you just look at it and go, wow, what a great God we have. What a great God we have. And we take a look at this passage, and, and, and again, we ask the question, why? Well, God points it out here. God points out what happens when you go to the wilderness. He points out the, the, the necessity of going through the wilderness. And he makes it clear here, and as we go through the rest of this passage, and taking a look at verse 3, he says, And humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with man, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee uh, know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now, that sounds familiar. Who quoted that out in the wilderness? Jesus Christ. Go over there, Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 4. You find uh, Jesus Christ in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, Jesus Christ, number one, he's obviously the one that uh, knew that because of Jesus Christ being God. But he showed and demonstrated the, the importance behind using that and using that mentality. But in verse 4, he says, Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out, of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land full of oil and honey, uh, uh, excuse me, oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread, Without scarceness, and thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills that thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping, in not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, and which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thou hast herds and, the, and thy flocks multiply, and the silver and the gold is multiplied, and all that the house is multiplied, then the heart be lifted up and forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, where uh, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and there was no water. Who brought thee forth, uh, water out of the rock of flint, who led thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that it might humble thee, that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And that thou sayest in thy heart, my power and in the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be that if thou do uh, all forget uh, the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now that's a pretty intense chapter. But it makes it very clear why Israel went through what they went through. Not only was it for a chastening, but it was because he loved them. Because he wanted to show them something. Because he wanted to demonstrate his power, his might, what he could do. And I tell you, sometimes we need to go back to that wilderness to begin to realize exactly what God can do in our life. We need to remember those times that we go through it. And again, you know, we may have periods of time where we are in the desert and we may have periods of time where we are, if you will, in that land of milk of honey and, 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 and the Lord has provided us with great peace and comfort and, and, and we have things and praise the Lord for that. But I will tell you this, there should always be a remembrance about why we were there or why we are there. And we need to make sure that we are always putting God at the forefront of it. And dare I say that one of the purposes of the wilderness is so that we will remember God. That we will remember God. We are a forgetful people. We are a forgetful people. We, We, you know, sometimes we can't even remember the names of our own relatives. We can't even remember the names of our own, you know, uh, 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 you know, animals and dogs. We can't even remember where we left our keys. We can't even remember where we left our cars. You park it somewhere and you're sitting there going, the other day I, I, I parked somewhere in a parking garage and I had to make sure I remembered where I parked. So I looked and I looked and I looked and I okay, okay, I remember yellow A6, yellow A6, yellow A6, yellow A6. You know, get inside yellow A6. I'm sitting there talking to myself and probably people are thinking I'm nuts. <laughs> you know, yellow A6. I'm trying to remember. Why? So I can remember where I parked my car. It's a foreign place. I didn't remember. But you know, all of these things, you know, again, you have to begin to think about, do we often consider God in everything we do? At the forefront of it, I mean, that's what we're talking about in Colossians and Sunday school. But the idea and the concept is, is that we would remember God and what he's done for us that's so great. Here we are looking at what God has done. And if you go back to verse 2, look at how he uses the wilderness to teach the nation of Israel. 
And I dare say, uses the wilderness to teach us as well. Look at the very first thing he says here. The reason why they went through that for 40 years, what? To humble thee. The very first thing that we need to understand is we need to be humble. You know what that means? Pride has got to be removed from our lives. Pride will get us into so much trouble. Pride, pride just opens the door to a whole slew of iniquity. And take a look at what it did with Satan. Take a look at how it introduced all the stuff that we have here in this world today. Pride is one of the most evil things that, is, that has ever existed because of what it does. The Bible says that only by pride cometh contention. Why do people argue? Because of pride. Why do people fight? Because of pride. Why do people have strife and difficulties in their life? Pride. Why do our relationship problems, uh, you know, uh, uh, come out? Pride. Why do I get myself into trouble? Pride. I mean, we could sit there and go all day long and look at how pride has a huge root at all these sins and iniquities. So what was God trying to do? He was trying to say, look, I just want you to be humble. Because I'll tell you this, in order to remember God, humility and humbleness must be present. Because if we're constantly thinking about ourselves, we're not going to be thinking about God. And the nation of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they had to remember God. Why? Because every morning... You had manna, except for one day of the week. There was something that we had to begin to under, they had to begin to understand that God was providing. Where was God going to provide the wells? Where was God going to provide the water? How was God going to take care of them? All these things. And it was to humble because they realized they couldn't do it themselves. They couldn't do it themselves. We can't do it ourselves. So it comes down to a humbleness. Turn over to the book of Proverbs. Keep your place there in Deuteronomy. We'll be back in just a moment. But in uh, Proverbs chapter 29, just to point this issue out, we go through the wilderness sometimes to humble us. Sometimes that's the only reason we go through the wilderness. Because we've got a pride issue we have to deal with. I'll tell you this, if you detect a pride issue in your life, the very first thing you need to start saying is maybe I need to go in the wilderness and get right with God a little bit. Maybe I need to make myself a little uncomfortable. Maybe I need to start relying on God a little bit more. Maybe I need to start realizing how he's the provider and I am not. As he says over there in the in, in Deuteronomy, we read that he said, I want you to remember that. When you start thinking you're the one that provided your own wealth, you just remember, I, the Lord, said, I will provide it for you. Mm-hmm. Not you, but God. Right. But you take a look here in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 29, and in verse 23, look at what God says. Uh, here it says, a man's pride shall bring him, what? Low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Honor. You know, honor is a very interesting word. Not a lot of people understand what honor is. Sometimes they think about, well, you know, honor is kind of this somewhat of a respect thing. That's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. Honor is when you begin to esteem someone very differently than what you normally esteem them. You put them in a high estimation. When you honor the Lord, you honor him by thinking he is far better than you are. When we honor each other, we have that, if you will, that spirit of charity. We have that attitude of heart. That's what God wants us to do. You know, he, he says over there, that, you know, we're supposed to honor the king. You know, those are that have rule over us. That's a hard thing to do in this day and age, especially in this country. But I'll tell you this, I don't think any one of us could do any better. You're like, well, I don't know about that, you know, considering what we have in office right now. Well, okay, but let's put it this way. None of us have been president. 
None of us have ever been in charge of, you know, well over 300 million people. Half the time, we can't even take care of our own dog, let alone 300 million people. So let's just, just keep that in mind. You know, we, we've got to understand this. Let's not lift ourselves up with pride and think that we're all better than everyone else. That's the reason why we're, we're where we are in this country today. Because of pride. The reason why we've got people arguing back and forth is because of pride. Because people are just not willing to submit to one another as God talks about over in Ephesians chapter 5. That becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. But you know what happens? That pride brings a man low. And sometimes when we've got pride, we need to go out in the wilderness and realize how low it is out there. How much we really truly have to be thankful for. How much God has truly blessed us with. When we start looking around and we start going, man, where am I going to get my water from? Where am I going to get my food from? Where am I going to get my provision from? All these things, again, are going to point me back to God. Humbleness. Go back, uh, take a look over at uh, the book of James. James chapter 4. We're studying James on Wednesday night. And obviously don't want to get too much into this, but I want to just, you know, show very clearly. James points out some of the problems that we have in our lives and points out in chapter 4 some of the bigger issues. And in James chapter 4, uh, verse 10, he says this. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So many times we're worried about lifting up ourselves. We're worried about our own reputation. We're worried about, you know, what people are going to think of us. Uh, we need to stop doing that. We need to be more concerned about what God thinks. We need to be worried about whether God is looking at us and is accepting what we're doing. When he says, study, show thyself approved unto God. It's unto God, not, not, not what anyone else thinks, not anything of that nature, but it's about what God thinks. Am I doing what God wants? Honestly, who cares about what anyone else thinks? Are you doing what God wants? If we can get into that part, God will take care of the rest of it. But so many times people are trying to lift each other up, and as we were talking about in the book of James, uh, over there in chapter 3, people gossip, people backbite, people malign, people slander, people say things, whatever it is. And again, the purpose is, is to make themselves look better than someone else. And God says, that ought not be so. It shouldn't be. None of us are better than anyone else. Because in the eyes of God, we all needed salvation because we were all sinners. And God looks at us now and he praise God, he sees us as saints because of his shed blood and his righteousness. And we need to understand that and that we're all endeavoring together to please the Lord and we need to help each other. Rather than trying to hurt each other. Which is one of the most ridiculous things that we can do in the body of Christ. But again, that all comes about by pride. Yeah. It all comes about by pride. So the reason we go through the wilderness is because we need to be humbled. We've got a pride problem. The second thing when we go back over to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 is we find, he says, to humble thee and to prove thee. To prove thee. You know what? You need to be proved. You need to be shown what sort you are. What type of fruit are you going to yield? What is it going to be like when you go through the difficult times? Because I guarantee you this, one of the key things about going through the wilderness and then going to the promised land is that God is trying to see whether or not you're going to be true to him, whether you love him, whether you're going to obey him, whether in times of adversity, whether it's times of prosperity. Because we should be obeying God regardless of the situation, regardless of what happens in our life. Regardless of whether we're at the lowest point in our life or whether we are on that mountaintop and we're, if you will, uh, just enjoying all the things that God gives us. As, as, as Paul clearly pointed out, he says he had to learn to be content. 
regardless of the situation. Regardless of the situation. This is what we as believers need to understand to prove us. We should want to be proved. Take a look over at the book of Psalms. Again, keep your place there in Deuteronomy. We'll be back. But in the book of Psalms, and Psalms specifically, 26. Bless you. It's allergy season. (laughs) Psalms chapter 26, and take a look at this in verse 2. This should be a prayer. I have it underlined in my Bible. There's a bunch of notes around it, because you know why? This should be a prayer that we should pray. Examine me, O Lord. Wake up in the morning and ask that question. About midday, ask that question. About the end of the evening, ask that question. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Why? Try my reins and my heart. What is leading you? What is guiding you? What is your heart thinking? What is your heart's desire? What is affecting you? The psalmist knew these things were important. And what did he need? He needed God to show him. Why? Because let's put it this way. When we look at ourselves, we put the blinders on. We put the blinders on. Somebody does us wrong, we want justice. We do wrong, we're caught, we want what? Mercy. Let's face it, we're hypocritical people. We say one thing, we do something completely different. Then when the role is reversed, we all of a sudden do exactly the opposite of what we were doing before. We're fickle. We go back and forth all the time, being blown about, if you will, by every wind of doctrine. And God says very clearly, we need an examination. We need an examination. Part of, I, I, I've graduated on from my regular surgeon to now a specialist surgeon with all this stuff that's going on with me. And she's doing all this lab work. And what is she doing? She's examining whether I'm going to be fit for what she's possibly saying or two more additional surgeries. I'm like, yay, sign me up. <sighs> you know, yeah, you have to understand I, I, the enthusiasm level and the, the, if you will, the confidence level with with doctors right now is really low in my opinion. You know, 12 procedures later, I'm looking at two additional ones. I'm sitting there going, good night. This is, I, uh, God have mercy upon me. That's all I need. Pray for me. All right. But I'll tell you this, there's an examination. Why? To see whether I'm going to be fit and whether I'm ready for the next couple surgeries. Cause I need to be in the best physical shape for those surgeries. Cause they're not going to be easy ones. They're going to be tough. Well, any surgery is tough, in my opinion, but, you know, some are easy. They're in and out and they're done, right? Some, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours later. But what we need to understand is this, is we need an examination. Just like a doctor would examine you looking for what's wrong to help get you fixed, we need God to examine us. And we need to pray this prayer that God would prove us. Prove us. Show what sort we are. What is at the root of our heart? What is it that we love the most? We need to have that proved. We need to have that proved. Take a look over at 2 Corinthians. Paul tells the church at Corinth this. 2 Corinthians. Again, very much in the same vein as um, Psalms chapter 26. And take a look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 here. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves. There we are again. Examine yourselves. You You think about that just for a moment. Root word of the examine part is exam. How many in here love taking tests? How many of us would rather face a hail of gunfire than take tests? Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of us don't take tests well. Some of us, you know, we sit down and there's a piece of paper and it's multiple choice and we start freaking out. So if they sit down and they say, I want you to write an essay, then we're done. You know, we just put the pen down and walk out the door. You know, we're done. But it's an exam. What is it? What does an exam do? 
exam isn't necessarily meant to, if you will, quote unquote, grade you. It's to show you where you need to improve in the knowledge, where you are in the knowledge, you know, receiving. Do you understand the material? That's what the exam is supposed to do. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. You need the examination to make sure that we are being faithful. To say, am I being obedient to God because I'm going to take his word and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to fully uh, uh, believe what he says and I'm going to follow through with it. Whether we be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. He says, you're saved, born again, children of God. He says, you need to know this. If Jesus Christ is in you, He's in you. He should be, there should be proof of that. There should be evidence of that. If not, then you might have to look at yourself and say, am I truly saved or am I a reprobate? We have to ask those questions. We have to get detailed with that. That's what proving is all about. Go back over the book of Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy chapter three, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter eight. In verse 2, he says this, he says, uh, the, the, to know what was in thine heart. Now look, God already knows what's in your heart. Do you know what's in your heart? Jeremiah 17 says, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things. There you go, Mike, there's another all things for you. <laughs> All things, right? Desperately wicked. He says, who can know it? We have a hard time even understanding with ourselves how deceitful we are. How often do we deceive our own selves? We need to understand the concept that that, that God's sitting here telling us, look, he already knows this, but he wants to show us because we have free will what it is we're going to choose. Not only is it, if you will, making it known to us, but it's also making it known to those that are around us. The nation of Israel had to be proven and had to, if you will, shown what made known what was in thine heart, whether they loved God or whether they didn't. And that's exactly what God does. And sometimes we need to go out into the wilderness to, number one, humble ourselves. Number two, to really start showing the proof of what we really, truly, honestly believe. And number three, to really show us what is in our heart and what we truly love. What we truly love. Now think about this. The nation of Israel is going through the wilderness. They're not in the promised land. Do they love the land more or do they love God more? Because if they love the land more, there's going to be a problem. But if they love God more, the land will take care of itself. God will take care of the land. God will handle that. Take a look over there in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. In Deuteronomy chapter 13 and in verse 3... Talking again about the nation of Israel, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet. What is he talking about? He's talking about some sort of prophet or dreamer that comes along and starts saying something different than what God said. He says, thou shalt not hearken to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God prove with you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Why does God allow some of that stuff to come in? Why does God allow those things to even exist? Why doesn't he just zot that guy dead right there to show whether or not you're going to believe a lie? Because I'll tell you this, the biggest lies that are out there and the lies of, if you will, heresy and the lies of false doctrines and the lies of blasphemy are all about us and how we love ourselves. You take a look at every false religion out there and it's all about the work, good works that you do. Not the good work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but it's all about your good works, not the good works of God. It's humanism. At its very base form, it is humanism. 
Every false religion out there has the base, and if you will, that mother of harlots, humanism. That goes out there and feeds that uh, and says, you're so good. Oh, you look at you. Oh, yeah, you deserve it. Uh, you just believe in yourself and blah, 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 blah. No, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. I understand all of what they're talking about. And while they may intend good, as the, as the adage goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But God makes it very clear in our life. He wants to know what you love. Do you love him with all your heart and all your soul? Those false things are going to come up. You need to be proved. You need to be shown what is in your heart. It needs to be revealed. Turn to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139. In Psalm chapter 139, I want us to take a look at uh, verse uh, 23. <clears throat> Again, another prayer. Search me, O God. Search me. There's things that we need to get pulled out of our life. There's things that we need to let God search for. And God, trust me, God can find anything. Like I said, we can't even find our own keys sometimes. You know, I lost something the other day, and, and I can't find it. I don't know where it is. I don't, it's disappeared. It's gone. But I'll tell you this. The Lord knows exactly what's inside you. He knows exactly what's inside your heart. So we need to have this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of under, uh, everlasting. We need to have that concept of saying, God, I want you to know what's in my heart. I want you to show me what's in my heart so that I would know it, so that I would stop doing the wicked things, so that I would stop sinning, so that I would stop thinking about myself, so that I would lead, as he says here, be led in the way everlasting. You know what? The way everlasting is only provided by God. Why? Because he is everlasting. He is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. So if I'm going to be in that way, then I'm going to be in the mindset that God is God and I need to follow his path. Not some wicked way that is contrary, but his. And I need the Lord to search me. So what? I have to go out in the wilderness sometimes. I have to go through that desert. I have to go through those trials. I have to go through those things. Because it will begin to reveal something to me. It will begin to show something in my life. The last thing that I want us to turn to is uh, back over there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. He says, whether thou would keep us his commandments or no. Back over in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the nation of Israel said, we will keep the commandments of the Lord. Specifically, verse 27, they said, we will keep the commandments of the Lord. We will do all the commandments of the Lord. We will, we will obey, Lord. We will do that. And here he is, he's saying, look, I proved you in the wilderness to see whether or not you were going to do that. And I will tell you this, sometimes we go through the wilderness because we need to be seen whether or not we're going to obey God. And again, I'm not talking about compliance, where we do it because we have to, but obedience is doesn't because we love. Because we love. Because we're willing to submit. Because we're willing to be subject. Because we're willing to yield. God points that out. And he says, I want to know whether or not you're going to keep my commandments. Why? Because I will tell you, sometimes it's hard to keep commandments when you're going through it. It's hard. It's hard. Because the devil will be at every corner sitting there saying, why don't you just give up? Really, you love the Lord and this is where you're at? Aren't you hungry? 
Aren't you thirsty? Aren't you tired? Aren't you weary? You don't have to do everything God says. That's the devil talking. Do you know what you do? You rebuke him by using the word of the Lord, just like Jesus did. But in order to rebuke the devil, what do you have to do? You have to draw an eye unto God. Submit yourselves first. Then you can resist the devil, is what James says in chapter 4. And submission means that you are obedient. The more obedient you are, the more you can resist what the devil tries to do to you. So sometimes we need to go back to the wilderness and begin to understand that obedience. Because sometimes when we're, if you will, just fat and happy, living on the high hog, you know, here we are, we got everything we ever want, just like Laodicea, we have no clue that we have forgotten God. Yeah. And here comes the whole cusp of the matter of all these things. Where he says in that last phrase in, in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, or no. Are we going to reject it all? Are, are, are we going to reject the humbling and be pride-filled? Are we going to reject the proving and will our proving show that we love ourselves, not God? Is our heart going to reveal that there's some wicked way in us that we prefer over God's ways? Is it going to show us that we're more willing to be disobedient than we are to obey what God's will is for our life? Or no? The wilderness will prove that. The wilderness will show that. What is the wilderness for? The wilderness is to show you exactly who you are. And whether or not you consider God in all your ways. Because I want you to think about this. God talks about in this chapter 8, he talks about the provision that he gave them, doesn't it? And you take a look there. What does he say? He he says, you know, in verse 3, he fed thee with manna. What does he say in verse 4? He says, your raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. He mentions it back over there in Deuteronomy 29. Same thing. Your shoes didn't even wear out. Could you imagine walking around 40 years in the wilderness with the same pair of shoes? A good pair of shoes should last a few years. If it's a daily wear, you should at least get a good year's worth of use out of it. If it lasts longer than that, I got a friend, I got several friends that work in the railroad, and if you've ever walked around the ballast around the railroad tracks, that ballast isn't soft, gentle rocks. It's sharp. And he says he goes through a couple of pairs of boots a year. Because he'll walk through that ballast and, you know, sure enough, he'll have a brand new uh, pair of shoes. And, and, you know, about six months into it, the whole bottom of the thing is just cut to shreds by those rocks. It's destroyed. Could you imagine having something of that nature where where the Lord specifically says and points out, hey, you're not going to have your clothes and your physical things wear out? You're going to have things that are going to be, if you will, lasting 40 years. Have you ever had a garment last 40 years? You ever have last, I mean, again, we live in a day and age where we have to replace things every five years. How many of us are still driving the original car that we once had? How many of us are, are, are very clearly, if you will, uh, having something that exists for 40 years? Things wear out. We're replacing appliances left and right. Dishwashers barely last five years now. Fridge, maybe, you know, again, we, we used to have this old fridge uh, uh, that was downstairs in the church here. It was an old Montgomery Ward. How many of you guys remember Montgomery Ward? We had an old Montgomery Ward fridge. That old GE fridge. Those things were like lasting forever. 
You get the new ones out there and they last maybe a couple of years and then, you know, the technology like, and it's dead. Forty years, God clothed them and, and gave them shoes. Forty years, they didn't have to worry about it. Forty years. What did God do? God provided water for them. God provided food for them. God provided clothes and raiment for them. God provided protection because he said there was fiery serpents and scorpions, all sorts of beasts out there and things like that, as well as other country, you know, other nations that were not too fond of them, that they even had to battle even before they got to the promised land. All those things. And what did God do? God took care of them. God protected them. God, God did all that. And above all, you know what God did? He provided them above all, as he mentions there, uh, in, in this passage, he provided them the way to get there. He provided guidance to them spiritually. He provided for them in a spiritual manner with the tabernacle, with the relationship with God. All these things that he provided for them. And I'll tell you this, one of the greatest things why we have wilderness in our lives is to remember what God has done for us. You ever get to a point where you start getting a little lustful, a little covetous, maybe it's time to go into the wilderness for a little bit and just be thankful for what you have. We ever get to a point in this life where we feel lost, like we've got no direction in our life. We don't know where we're going. You know what? Maybe we need to go back to the wilderness and let God do a little more leading in our lives with a, with a fiery pillar or a cloud and show us exactly what we need to do. Maybe there's times we need to go out there and stop and dwell in that land for just a little bit and then move on. Whatever it may be. But we need to remember, God is the one that guides us. God is the one that directs us. God is the one that leads us to that better end, that latter end, as he talks about, to prove us. And he's doing all this because he loves us. And he cares about us. And he wants a relationship. And he wants the best for you. And the best thing for you is to be in God's will. It's not finances. It's not money. It's not relationships. It's none of those things. God will handle all the rest of that. But the first and foremost thing is, are you in God's will? And a good way to prove that, a good way to show that, a good way to demonstrate that, a good way to know that, is go out into the wilderness for a while. See what God has done. See what God is doing. Know what God will do. And come to the realization how great and mighty a God we truly have. I think about all the stuff that they went through. Forty years. Forty years. I turned 50 last year. Forty years, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like without having the direction of God in my life. I can't even begin to imagine what my life would be, where I would be, without God. And here we are, if you will, kind of, if you will, in a wilderness. We're not in the promised land yet. We're not living the eternal life yet. We're not living free of sin. We don't have redemption of our bodies yet. How do we know that? Well, I don't think we need to go into great detail about it other than we know that our bodies are failing us at a very rapid rate. The warranty's expired and now we're going downhill. And there is no extended warranty for this thing. Uh, it just seems to be costing us more and more and more. And we're sitting there going, well, I'd like a new one, but you don't get to get a new one yet. God will take care of that. And praise the Lord, that model will never need any maintenance. So it's kind of like an electric car. Anyways, I'm just going to throw that in there. just had to. But, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, praise God, he's going to take care of us, that redeemed body. We don't have that yet. 
So you know what? We kind of right now are in the wilderness. And until we're on the other side of Jordan, so to speak, till we're on that other side, we need to remember God still wants us humble. God still wants to show us and prove us. God wants us to know what's in our heart and whether we love him or not. God wants to very clearly see if we're willing to obey him and obey him in all things. The wilderness has a purpose for us. Let's understand that. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time and the opportunity that we've had to study your word this morning and look into it. And Lord, I just pray that this morning as we look to your scriptures and as we look to you, Lord, you would clearly give that guidance and direction in our lives. Lord, as we wander about in the wilderness and we're waiting to come home to you and waiting to be on that other side, the Lord, we'd still understand that you're there. You provide, you care, you guide, you direct, you protect. All these things that you did for Israel, Lord, we can see a typology of it in our lives today. And Lord, may we always remember that. May we always remember who you are and what you have done. That we would not forget. That we would not forget to do your will. We would not forget to do your commandments. That, Lord, that we would love you with all our heart and all our soul. That we may please you with all that we say and do. Lord, may that be at the forefront of our minds. Lord, I pray that as we close with this uh, hymn, these hymns, this uh, morning, this afternoon, Lord, that you just keep that in mind. The Lord, we endeavor to encourage and edify each other because we're all in this wilderness together. And Lord, as a congregation, may we be as used of you to help each other along the way. And I ask and pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.